Well, I'd like to welcome you to my breakout session for the Global Missions Health Conference 2020. And I appreciate you choosing this talk. I know there are many breakout sessions available. I'm Dr. Mike Chupp, um, MD, and I'm the Chief Executive Officer of the Christian Medical and Dental Associations. I'm also a board-certified general surgeon, learned orthopedic surgery along the way and enjoyed that very much. I'm also a former career medical missionary uh, working for World Gospel Mission in the country of Kenya at Tenwick Hospital, uh, for close to 20 years between 1996 and 2016. Well, my topic today uh, for this breakout session is entitled Cultivating a Missions Mindset in Surgical Residency. Now, I have a feeling that some of you who are attending this talk, whether live or recorded, may not be in a surgical residency. You may be in a different kind of residency. Uh, you may be a student. You might even be pre-med, but are interested in ways that you can maintain and build upon your desire and possibly a deep-seated sense of a calling that God has given you in your life to serve him, uh, whether it be domestically here in the U.S. and represent Christ faithfully in a practice um, or to serve him overseas cross-culturally. Um, I'd like to just briefly pray before I get started. Father God, I thank you for those uh, who've joined me today, um, and I thank you for this technology that allows uh, for me to make this presentation. I pray that you'd allow this technology to work well, uh, that the audio would be clear, and that, uh, Father, you would anoint my words. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart, Heavenly Father, be pleasing in your sight. You are our rock and our redeemer. What a privilege it is for you to call us into service with you and your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, my abstract, just a short abstract, that we'll, we're gonna focus on the practical ways that students and residents pursuing a surgical subspecialty, including my own specialty of general surgery, can fan the flame of God's gifting and calling in obedience to the Great Commission. And uh, I want to just state three objectives I hope to accomplish today. First of all, I want to review past experiences and perspectives of those who've been obedient to their calling. And that includes my calling, my uh, career, as well as uh, five others um, whom I've uh, reached out to. Second, to discuss key disciplines for you to grow a heart and mind set on service in missions. And then finally, identify a few resources for study and preparation to do that cultivation in your own uh, heart and mind and life. Well, I show this to student and resident and graduate gatherings. This is a mountain that I feel is worth climbing that I call Mount Metamorpho. Metamorpho, of course, is that Greek word for transformation or change. And at the bottom, at the base of Mount Metamorpho are healthcare students who follow Christ that have felt called into and desire to pursue medicine or dentistry or physical therapy, optometry, you name it. Uh, so many different ways that uh, God can use us in our healthcare professional careers. And then at the top of this mountain, that goal, the flag, uh, represents graduate Christian healthcare professionals uh, who have achieved licensure certification and are taking care of patients in their area of healthcare. And I call it the decisive decade, though in reality, you know, it sometimes is a little bit less to go from uh, graduate school and further training. And sometimes it's more, you know, some of the uh, longer residencies and fellowships take us to 12 or 13 years. Along the way, there are these trails of transformation uh, going up this mountain to get to the top. And we are changed uh, from those who really know very little about patient care to someone who becomes uh, a, a junior consultant, if you will, or an attending and knows a whole lot about what we've studied. But along the way come these clouds of conformity and those who are a little bit ahead of us influence us greatly. Certainly uh, faculty attendings, 
those that we see residents who supervise us, uh, chief residents who supervise us, have a great deal of influence upon us. The medical culture, surgical culture itself influences us a great, and we want to fall in line because we want to be successful. And so to get to the top of that mountain, I want to contrast before I get really launched into this talk, um, to contrast, uh, it's been said that contrast is the mother of clarity, that there are the four C's. And this is a very simple S10 pickup truck. It seems in Bristol, a lot of people have these. My own son, Stephen, when he first moved to Bristol to join us in 2016, uh, he wanted, he bought an S10 pickup truck. And the tread, the traction um, for the four C's, the four C's represent Christ-centered, compassionate care. And so many of us who were followers of Christ who got into healthcare, this was on our minds. We wanted to follow the example of the great physician. And we, we had this vehicle to go up this uh, Mount Metamorpho. We, were, we had God's word. We've got the gospel, the uh, transformative gospel of the cross. But along the way, introduced to us are the four Ps. And wow, it looks very attractive. Um, and we're told that it's it's really the right way, the right priorities to have. Those four Ps are power and prestige and position and payment. And the big P that uh, is the umbrella for them all is pride in doing things my way, not Christ's way, but my way. And so that those clouds of conformity have a tendency to, to mold us and to change us uh, on this journey to become Christians uh, in healthcare, including those of us who felt a call to be serving God uh, with our careers. Well, as I said, the title of my talk is Cultivating a Missions Mindset, and that word cultivate uh, has a special place in my heart. You see that picture there on the upper right is me sitting in the seat at the steering wheel, my grandfather. Uh, my grandfather, Gene Harrison, and my little brother in his arms. And I got a chance to drive tractors from the age of seven. So one, one definition of cultivate is to prepare and use the land for crops or gardening. And I grew up in central Indiana with a 500 acre uh, cornfield in front of my house. And so every spring sitting on my front porch watching these mammoth tractors just uh, plowing the earth and disking the earth and fertilizing and doing all of this preparatory work to make sure that that fertile central Indiana soil would support the seed that was going to be planted by the farmer. Obviously, that's not what I'm talking about today. Instead, this definition to try to acquire or develop uh, a quality, a sentiment, or a skill like he cultivated an air of indifference. We want to cultivate um, I want to challenge you to cultivate a missions mindset, even during a very busy, a very busy time of a medical a surgical career. I want to tell you a bit about my story and then five other surgeon stories. And then finally focus on your story a bit. I love this quote by Mr. Oz Guinness, who's one of my favorite authors and in a book that he wrote in 2019 entitled Carpe Diem Redeemed, Oz says that those who respond to God's call, who come to know God and walk with him in accomplishing his purposes in the world are like entrepreneurial partners, junior partners, of course. When I first read this, it just, it really blew me away as I looked at, back over my career um, in general surgery and in medical missions, the fact that God gave me the privilege and continues to give me the privilege of being a partner with him in ministry, uh, working in his kingdom with his power and his support and care. It is just the most amazing and incredible privilege. My wife, Pam, and I, who've been married close to 30 years, when we set out on our journey of missions in 1996 and moved to Kenya with two small children, we had plans in our heart. And Solomon said in Proverbs 16:9, in his heart, a man, or I can say in our hearts as a couple, we planned our course, but the Lord determined our steps. 
And along the way, we realized, certainly I realized, that God had put a great passion and desire and some gifting in the area of motivating and mentoring and mobilizing young healthcare professionals and a lot of focus on Kenyan students, med students, and Kenyan residents along the way, but also was joined by hundreds, if not thousands of US and European students and residents and consultants who came to serve with us. And this triangle uh, was a logo that my wife and I thought of in 2015 uh, from 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 6 and 7, which really is my ministry manifesto, uh, where Paul told Timothy, um, I've been reminded that your faith is sincere, Timothy, and so um, fan into flame God's gifts uh, that are in you. For God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and self-discipline. And so I'm, I must admit, I'm not that artistic or creative. Our mission media people helped us put this together. And then, boom, a month later, I was invited to do something quite different that required quite a bit of courage on the part of my wife and I. Well, how did I end up for 20 years in Africa? My path honestly began uh, with a consideration and a and a pull toward a life of, of medicine from the ages of age of 13 until the age of 20 over a course of seven years. I really was attracted. I went to a missionary church and met lots of missionaries, including a few who were medical missionaries. And I was drawn to the kind of ministry that they had. So when the opportunity came, when I was finishing my sophomore year at Taylor University in, in Indiana, I went to Sierra Leone with a couple of gals from a couple of other different colleges with the missionary church. And you'll see in the picture there, uh, the, uh, uh, an original photo bomb by the uh, missionary church country director there in Sierra Leone popping up over the wall over our shoulders. We were in Sierra Leone and it was there that I got to go to a remote bush clinic that was staffed by a lone missionary nurse named Jerry Gehrig. And Jerry and her relationship uh, with these people um, uh, out in rural Sierra Leone, the love that she had for these people. And I could see that their response back, that they genuinely loved this missionary nurse. Now she had so little equipment, a microscope, a few simple tools. She could do very, very simple procedures, a biopsy here and there. Uh, and of course, she had some basic medications for, for worms and malaria, but her love for these people, I just noticed just in a two-week visit how deeply they loved this nurse and what an incredible difference she was making in, in their lives. And these people were called the Karanko people. And I remember uh, in my second week there just feeling so moved by what I saw, the difference making that Jerry was making that an evening I got on my knees at my bedside in this missionary home and asked God that if he, uh, if he, and made him a promise that if he would allow me to get into medical school, that, that I wanted him to give me this privilege of serving in Africa just the way I saw Jerry Gehrig, a missionary nurse serving. And so she, Jerry inspired me. And then I had an opportunity several years later as a final year student at Indiana University to go to Timbuk Hospital in 1988 and met there other students uh, from Pennsylvania, as well as a wonderful godly surgeon who became a Barnabas to me, Dr. Jim Teeter uh, from, her, from Waynesboro, Pennsylvania. And Jim and his wife, May, uh, challenged me and encouraged me, felt that I had gifting uh, and even though Jim did short term over the course of 20 years, a month or two at a time, he challenged me and encouraged me to consider a career long term, just like Dr. Sturey, the founder of that hospital, and Dr. David Stevens, whom I met as the medical superintendent. And then four years later, Dr. Teeter and I arranged that as I was a fourth year resident at Methodist Hospital, that I went back to Methodist, now this time married with Pam, my wife, and uh, we both fell in love with that ministry. Dr. Teeter was there so I could get credit with the American Board of Surgery for this elective. And it was so, such a confirmatory time for me to have these hands-on experiences. Um, time is limited. I can't really talk about all of the things that I experienced, but let's just say two months as a student and two months as a resident had a powerful impact upon me and encouraged me along the way.
Well, I as soon as I finished residency, uh, I joined a Southwestern Medical Clinic, a multi-specialty group that formed in the 60s uh, with the intention, its objective is to support uh, missionaries, uh, doctors who are serving abroad when they want to come back and get updated and fit into a practice and, uh, and be able to maintain credentials in the U.S. And I joined that group in 1993 as I finished my surgical residency. You see there on the slide the, the mission statement of Southwestern. We strive to be a distinctive role model and leader in the integration of medical care, Christian witness, and missions. There's the surgery department that I joined, all four of us heavily involved in medical missions. And in the center, a tombstone of Dr. Bob Schindler, who was the chief of surgery and a former CMDA president um, with his motto, the greatest privilege in the world is to serve Jesus Christ. And Bob had a lot to do with my preparation to go to Kenya as a missionary and my love of the Christian Medical and Dental Associations. We Treat Jesus Heals was a banner that I served under at Timbrook Hospital. This is a picture taken in June of 2014 with a ever-growing, expanding medical staff made up of uh, not just expat missionaries, but actually more and more, mostly Kenyan nationals, a few other East African nationals serving on staff with many tra training programs uh, many trainees, students, and in interns and residents in this picture. Unexpectedly, I fell in love with orthopedic surgery and learned on the job over the course of many years and had the opportunity to, to pass on what I had learned to many different PACS residents, both in general surgery and orthopedic surgery. And uh, here's a view in uh, 2016 before I left Tenwick of our faculty and the residents at the White Coat ceremony and saw some of our grads uh, like Dr. Kiprono Kowetsch on the far left uh, who began to become faculty, many more faculty now there at uh, Tenwick who are Kenyan graduates, which is incredible blessing, uh, an objective that's been reached. Well, an unexpected call home for us in 2016, uh, Dr. David Stevens invited uh, Pam and I to come and move to Bristol if God uh, led us, which he did. And this is a picture of Pam and I. We celebrated uh, that summer, her 50th birthday, our 25th wedding anniversary, and just a month short of our 20 year anniversary of having served at Timmock Hospital. But it was this white hot why, our passion, gifting of motivating, mentoring, and mobilizing Christians in healthcare to be willing to invest their lives in serving God in whatever capacity that God led them. And that then was a segue into service with CMDA. And I'm so grateful for the legacy of Dr. David Stevens, pictured here in the center, um, who is now our CEO Emeritus of CMDA, who had served at Temec for about 10 years, and then uh, the CEO of CMDA. Dr. Gene Rudd there on the far left, his senior vice president, who uh, my first three years here was my mentor and supporter and encourager. I'm grateful to the board for the opportunity and the humbling privilege to follow Dr. Dave Stevens and Gene Rudd in leadership of CMDA. Well, I want to talk about just a, quickly a few other stories from some other missionary surgeons that I have met and I have known. And here are the five depicted. Uh, Jason Axt uh, was in Cameroon initially and then because of unrest, there politically uh, moved to Kenya and Kajabi Hospital as a pediatric surgeon. Uh, Dr. Cheryl uh, Ueda is in Papua New Guinea, and uh, she asked me just to show a, a, some sort of picture here of, of her as a female surgeon. She's sh uh, shy, didn't want me to show her picture. Then I have Dr. Rafa in quotes because this particular friend of mine who's an OBGYN is in a uh, creative access country and definitely did not want her picture, her name. Uh, but she's someone that I, I wanted to sh have share with you her advice um, and experience in terms of cultivating a surgical mindset during residency. Um, David Jeff Coach serves in Ethiopia with PAX uh, from California and his family uh, is a general, general and trauma surgeon. And then last but not least, a good friend of mine of many years, Dr. Mike Ganey, who's a pediatric surgeon serving at Temuk Hospital and Kenya, whom I watched God uh, work with his, he and his wife, Julie, over many years, 
to take them through advanced training in pediatric surgery and then call them back to Kenya. Well, Dr. Rafa, as I'm calling her, and I, by the way, I'm using Rafa because of Francine Rivers' uh, trilogy entitled The Mark of the Lion. And one of my favorite characters in Francine Rivers' book uh, was a Jewish girl um, who uh, had uh, trauma and a, was a servant girl in Rome and began a, a clinic in which she healed people. And so she was beloved and called Rafa. And that reminds me of my friend who's in this undisclosed country. And uh, Dr. Rafa shares with us that at the heart of every true calling is a calling to a dynamic relationship with Christ. And so the number one thing I did to maintain my calling to ministry was to pursue Christ first. And then Dr. Jason asked, um, talking about marriage, and this is a topic that comes up quite frequently as I talk to students and residents about cultivating a call, uh, this very, very important topic of marriage. Uh, Jason says, when I met Meredith, my wife, she had an independent love for and call to long-term cross-cultural missions. We were unified in our desire and plans to work together following him. Perfect, best practice, best experience is to have a spouse or fiance who is, we're convinced, is cultivating that same mindset that we are, that we are cultivating it together. And then uh, David in Ethiopia uh, tells us that for him it was important to own the vision, even as a couple. Please tell the other residents. Um, and, and faculty where you are so that you have a sense of accountability, that everyone knows what, what, you, what you feel, where God is taking you. Ask people to pray for you. Make it your calling. Make your calling your identity. Um, the only way we could walk away from it all, David tells us, was to pray and fast. Surround yourself with opportunities to remember the call. And then Mike Ganey tells us that critical to my cultivation of the call was a devotion to Jesus above all else as I kept on asking and kept on seeking and accepting his grace to cover my failures and patiently waiting for my wife Julia to come to full agreement. And then last but not least, Cheryl at, in PNG she tells us, look for cross-cultural experiences during residency, including staff at your U.S. hospital where you're training. Serve refugees. Learn to pray with patience and share your faith during residency. Understand and use faith flags. I'll talk about that in just a few minutes, what she's referring to. But stand firm in your faith with coworkers and attendings without being obnoxious. First and foremost, do not, you heard this from the others, first and foremost, do not neglect your relationship with God. Well, I said from us and HKU to you, and HKU is Hard Knocks University, because I can tell you, I don't have time today to share all the testimonies, um, either from my own life or from these five uh, consultants who've been serving overseas successfully as career missionaries, but we faced a lot of hard knocks and made a lot of failures in our careers and, and have had some pretty dry times, honestly. And God in his mercy and his grace has sustained each one of us. And we had the incredible privilege, the joy of having jobs that we just, I know each one of these five that have shared with me and you would agree that they're just the most incredible privilege and opportunity. Wouldn't want to trade it for anything. So along the way, I uh, discovered some potential minds, a minefield, a calling to serve either cross-culturally, even domestically, and a focus on sacrificial service for patients and their families. Uh, I gave a talk back in 2002 at Rush, uh, up at Rush, where some students had put together a medical missions conference. Excellent conference. My title. It was, so you want to be a missionary, watch out for the mines. And of course, a play on words, not only like a minefield or an IED, but also the possessive mine, hanging on to something 
in my grasp that I don't want to give up that God wants me to release. So what are these five minds? So there are five F's, uh, the F of family. And uh, you know, also friends. Uh, you might say, wait a second, family and friends, aren't those really good things, Mike? Yes, um, but we have to be very, very careful um, because not every one of our family members will accept the fact that uh, we're going to be taking ourselves and their grandchildren and moving across halfway around the world. And friends also can have both a positive and negative influence upon us in pursuing our call. Finances and uh, giving up the six-figure plus salary uh, after finishing our training, of course, debt and that getting in the way can obstruct our journey fellowships and feeling like we want to get more and more training and eventually finding that we're so deep uh, in, in debt, so much time has been spent um, in training that uh, we, our calling has grown cold sometimes. And then last but not least, uh, fear, um, the, the fear of the unknown of the future and maybe all kinds of fears, losing relevance, uh, a fear of health problems. You know, right now, COVID-19 obviously is big on on the on the radar for the for the future of those considering um, serving overseas and those who are there uh, now our enemy does uh, try to capitalize on our fears he knows what they are and then journeying through this minefield um, and so many uh, fall by the wayside do because of one of these things and then other obstacles so i want to talk just a little bit about developing disciplines and how to cultivate this mindset um, by talking about some disciplines. First, a discipline in your relationships and you know, family, uh, including parents and siblings and beware of Corbin, you know, the sixth commandment, honor your father and mother that it may go well with you as you prepare to serve Christ and make disciples through healthcare. My parents and siblings, uh, five siblings, They've almost all supported my ministry financially and through prayer over the last 25 plus years. Um, remember how Jesus rebuked the Pharisees in Mark chapter 7, verse 11, because they claimed Corbin, which meant that they opted out of fulfilling obligations to parents in order to devote themselves to God. So we have to be careful um, and not be self-righteous in terms of, sorry, mom and dad, um, this is my calling and you're just going to have to deal with it. But um, honoring mom and dad and uh, preparing them and and certainly being convincing them of what God has put on our hearts. Um, and then relationships, as I said, with um, with friends. Um, They can make or break our preparations to follow a calling to serve in missions. I have seen a, a wonderful example of uh, a group of friends who all, all, each one of them in their own way, God had pushed, had inspired them and, uh, and called them into missions. And this group is now serving in Burundi. They call themselves the Macropters. Uh, several families um, that together as friends with the same calling, headed in the same direction, helped uh, spur one another on toward this calling together as friends. Uh, and so having friends who are sympathetic and supportive, um, who care about your obedience uh, to God is very, very important. Um, in, in terms of finances, um, excuse me, uh, fiancés, not finances, fiancés. Uh, you know, this is the ultimate yoking. I, I really didn't, when I was a resident, I certainly didn't start my conversations with the Christian women that I dated about my heart's desire to serve in Africa. But certainly by the end of my first dates, I always tried to drop uh, that information um, because I didn't want to lead them on or go down a path where I felt that we were going to be in a way, uh, unequally yoked together without having a, a similar heart's desire to be obedient to God uh, with our lives. And so I had to put the kibosh 
on several relationships. And uh, I must also tell you that my commitment um, to serve as a medical missionary someday led to tears on the part of my future wife, Pam, when we got back together after seven years of separation. Um, uh, we had dated for a while and then seven years of, of a pause in our relationship. And we got back together and I told her I still loved her. She began to weep. And uh, uh, later we discussed why she was crying and honestly, why she was so touched that after all those years, I still felt, I still had love, I had romantic feelings for her. She had to admit that the main reason she was crying is that she realized that by saying yes to my love, that her future life course would be dramatically altered. Um, and, and in fact, when I told one of my attendings at Methodist that I was engaged, he, he scheduled a lunch appointment with me the very next day because he knew what I'd been saying all along in terms of my commitment to become a medical missionary. And he said, are you absolutely, absolutely 100% sure that this young woman, Pam, will be committed as you are into answering God's call? And I assured him uh, that I knew Pam for many years. Um, and I knew that when she was in junior high, that God had, even before me, had impressed upon her heart and given her a vision that she would someday be serving in Africa. And I don't know how that worked in her seven-year-old heart and mind, but he did. And, uh, and that was a big part of a confirmation for both of us. And then, of course, it's critical that the vertical relationship, we, we heard it from several of those testimonies just a few minutes ago, that our vertical relationship with Baba God, the Father, you, know, you remember that Steve Green song, um, to love the Lord our God is the heartbeat of our mission, the strength from which our service overflows. And so without that um, deep, abiding, authentic relationship with God, the Father, um, cultivating a heart for service and sacrifice, it's very difficult. Uh, and it's easy to flounder along the way. Move on to discipline in resources. And certainly to cultivate a missions mindset, it's important to be have that self-control that Paul told Timothy about in 2 Timothy 1.7. And to, to try to live within your means and keep that debt load as small as possible. And certainly we're grateful uh, for organizations like MedSend. I was one of the first few recipients and that allowed me to go sooner than I would have been able to go otherwise, and I'm grateful. And so, but still, MedSend, they will look at your spending habits and how frugal that you have lived a life because such is required if you're going to be serving as a medical missionary, having a salary that's, you know, a fourth or even a tenth of what you'd be making uh, in the States. Uh, a standard of living that is set uh, so that your expectations yeah, living as a resident, and then even if you're, um, even if you're a, a young attending preparing to go to the field, living within your means and set an example uh, for those around you um, that you truly do have a missional, uh, a missional a sacrificial heart, and then giving back to God and others. I found it very rewarding to actually take on missionary support when I was a resident. And, you know, scripture says that where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And so I would encourage you um, to communicate with medical missionaries, uh, non-medical missionaries, um, develop that relationship, because someday it will come back to be a blessing to you when the shoe is on the other foot and you are receiving uh, support from those who believe in the work God has called you to. So again, cultivating a mindset um, for service and generous living. And then a discipline in right living and living right now. One of the biggest surprises um, and feedback that I got from one of our regional directors when I came to CMDA in 2016, Alan Harmer is our Midwest region director. And I said, so Alan, tell me something that would just um, blow me away that I w just, I'll find it hard to believe in terms of your interactions with medical students and residents who are, who, who share with you that they, they want to be obedient to God. They want to follow God and they're interested in missions. Tell me something I need to know. And they said, well, Mike, I think uh, immediately I would tell you 
that I have students, medical students, uh, young man, young woman who will come to me saying that they're praying about a possible call into missions. And Mike, they're living together. They've not gotten married, but they're living together. And they come to me and ask for my counsel. And I have to respectfully and lovingly confront them that they sh they're, they're asking the wrong question. They're dealing with the wrong issue, that obedience to God's word. In 2 Timothy 1.9, God saved us and called us to live a holy life. And in 1 Thessalonians 4.7, God has called us to live holy lives, not impure lives. So I've been mentioning the call over and over again. And you know I mentioned earlier that Os Guinness uh, said that we become like entrepreneurial partners. And Os Guinness in another book, actually entitled The Call, which I think is the best book uh, of all time that I, I'm aware of on, on dealing with the call of God in our lives. And Oz says that calling is the truth that God calls us to himself so decisively that everything we are, everything we do, and everything we have is invested with a special dynamism and devotion lived out in response to God's summons and service. Everything, and that includes our sex lives, that includes sexual purity. And so how can we discern that where God wants us to serve him, whether it's overseas or in the inner city, when we are not being obedient in his call to live a holy life? And so my challenge to you today who are listening and participating in this breakout session is examine your heart and pray with David. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me, anything in me that offends you and lead me on the path of everlasting life. If we're not being, being obedient in, in areas in terms of our finances, or our sexuality, or all kinds of practical um, ways of following Christ, then maintaining, cultivating a mindset of service, it's going to be nigh unto impossible. Micah 6, 8, what are God's requirements? He has told you, O man or woman, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God and to walk now. And there's no mention in this verse of Mike Chupp. Uh, God isn't requiring Mike Chupp to go to Kenya to serve him at Timwick Hospital for two decades. But doing justice and loving mercy and walking humbly with my God, that truly is clear cut uh, cultivation of my heart and mind and soul that God desires for me and from you. So cultivation through engagement. Um, what kind of engagement is useful? And I've, I've used a lot of the feedback. I've taken some of the feedback from these five docs uh, scattered around the globe and my own experience. And just what are some key, key ways uh, to be able to stay in the game, if you will, in terms of service for Christ, caring in Christ's name, um, engage in volunteer service now, whether it's across the street and and or around the world, and certainly short-term mission electives. Uh, we have there are scholarships available here at CMDA for, at both the student level and the resident level for you to go, and there are creative ways to get your various boards. The American Board of Surgery. Uh, there are electives that you know obviously have. Uh, some certain requirements in advance, but one of the things that I would do is if, if you're you know, a student and thinking about pursuing a residency is to ask that kind of question, what sort of international uh, service electives are possible? I understand COVID-19 is here and that's sort of has messed up the environment, but with COVID-19 and the inability to travel uh, internationally, there are plenty of domestic opportunities. And for me, while I was a surgical resident at Methodist Hospital, um, George H. Bush had his thousand points of light. And one of those points of light was there in Indianapolis in my hometown where I was training called the Gennesaret Clinic. And the Gennesaret Clinic was a clinic to the indigent, to the poor. And granted, I didn't do any surgery in those clinics, but it was so helpful for me to understand and interact with and love on people who were in, in homes 
in, in overnight places uh, for homeless. And I actually got to see a few of them more than once and in, in, uh, served in these clinics at least once or twice a month. And uh, it was difficult to fit in. <laughs> it was not easy, uh, but it certainly was humbling and helped me to understand that even uh, as, as a fully trained general surgeon, there were going to be a lot of things that I wasn't going to know uh, from a medical perspective when I went to Kenya. So engage in volunteer service now. Identify, and this is really important. Now listen to me. This is so important. Identify one or two mentors uh, with a track record of demonstrating a priority of medical missions. And hopefully you can identify someone in your own institution. Um, that's not what was the case for me. I, I actually, Dr. Teeter was in Pennsylvania and I was in Indianapolis. Um, but I did have uh, a, a faculty and attending at Methodist who himself uh, had experience in the past, wasn't currently doing medical missions, but had served in the past and knew what it took for a young man or a young woman professional to hang on to a calling and to not get distracted and blown up in the, in the minefield, as I talked about earlier. Uh, but identifying a mentor, an accountability partner who will ask you hard questions um, along the way, who will pray for you uh, when you're having struggles. If this can be one of your surgery attendings, that's great. If it's a pastor, uh, wonderful. If it's communicating um, these days with Zoom, uh, you, you could get a mentor who's actively practicing overseas as a career missionary um, and, and, have the, and check in with them. I know that at, at Tenwick, I, would, I was in communication with several residents at any given time, answering their questions and praying for them and exhorting them along the way. Um, attend medical missions conferences each year. I, I would say that each one of these five that I have been corresponding with and asking their feedback about cultivating the call, uh, have attended the Louisville conference, the one that you're attending right now virtually. And, and that is just a way, um, a highlight way, um, and a way to meet mission organizations and others um, to strike up some friendships uh, for the journey going through training, because it's just not easy. But you find that there are many others just like you that God has given um, a passion, a vision for the future of service. Um, again, whether or not it is serving in the U U.S. context, serving the poor and the needy, um, and being being willing to take care of those who are falling through the gaps financially and insurance-wise, and to have a heart for service here and abroad. Um, start supporting one or two medical missionaries, families in prayer and regular giving. I mentioned that early. I think it's a powerful way to connect and to, to do that cultivation of your heart and mind. Some helpful resources for the journey medicalmissions.com. I'm on their emailing list and they, you know, this email campaign of articles. Uh, Will Rogers just sent one out, um, an excellent one about ways to engage, very similar to this topic. And I uh, read through that and uh, it was really a, a shot in the arm with some really good sound advice. So uh, uh, because you're signed up for this conference, uh, please don't block those emails. Uh, coming with those resources to plug you in. Um, and the Your Call uh, newsletter from CMDA, you could get on our website and sign up for that. We send that out once every three months to those that feel God um, is, is calling them to cross-cultural service in missions. Some books that uh, myself and uh, others have recommended. I love Cross-Cultural Servanthood by Dwayne Elmer. I only discovered it about five years ago. I wish I had discovered it when I was a resident. Really great insight um, on being, being a servant and how to interact cross-culturally uh, can be helpful here uh, in the U.S. when you're uh, uh, coming up, whether it's working in a refugee clinic or um, encounters uh, with other ethnicities and, and how to humbly approach them. Serving with Eyes Wide Open, uh, David Livermore, Foreign to Familiar by Sarah Lanier, and then many, many medical missionary biographies. I probably averaged a medical missionary or uh, non-medical missionary biography one or two a year 
uh, from the time I started as a freshman at Taylor University. And those were always really powerful encouragement, role models, um, and uh, helped walk with me by just reading about others and their experiences. And then sharing your faith and praying with patience. We have a curriculum at CMDA called Grace Prescriptions. And we are, I'm excited. We are working on a brand new version that we're going to be calling Faith Prescriptions. We hope to release that in uh, April of next year with a lot of newer videos with a broad spectrum faculty from all walks of medicine and surgery, uh, on-demand videos that you'll be able to easily get to, shorter videos with discussion questions. I think they maybe if there's been a weakness, this has been wonderful curriculum. It has not really been geared for students and residents. And so that's why we have a new generation upcoming, uh, one that will I think will will help impress upon students and residents that spiritual ministry is uh, not only viable, it's important to do. Workplace Grace by the same uh, developers of Saline Solution and Grace Prescriptions, excellent book by Bill, Bill Peel and Walt Larimore, um, two of our friends and uh, wonderful champions at CMDA. And then the book Gray Matter by Dr. David Levy, uh, a neurosurgeon discovers the power of prayer um, one patient at a time. And then a book, Practice by the Book, by one of our pres former presidents, Al Weir and Dr. Gene Rudd. Excellent practical advice. Includes all kinds of good stuff uh, for you as a resident on, on how to be a Christian in, in, in healthcare. And the book there is, of course, God's Word. I'm going to close um, a verse from Psalm 37, verse 4, uh, a verse that has impacted my life. Uh, when I was 12 years old, I heard an evangelist, um, this is the very first acronym I can, or acrostic I can ever remember, delight yourself in the Lord, and he'll give you the desires of your heart. And I thought, wow, what is this delight? And the evangelist shared that it's daily everything laid into God's hands triumphantly. And I still remember his gesture, taking his hands and putting the palms down, daily everything laid into letting go into God's hands triumphantly. And it just reminds me of that definition of calling by Os Guinness. Everything we are, everything we do, and everything we have invested with a special dynamism and devotion lived out in response to God's summons and service. Friends, uh, brothers and sisters in Christ uh, who are listening today, Every day, I know that you are in a, just the busiest time of, of your life, uh, potentially of your whole career as residents. But if you can daily spend some focused time with God and delight in Him and His love for you, His acceptance of you, and the privilege that you have to be called His servant. And I have been amazed at how God has truly fulfilled so many desires, and I can't remember a single day. I'm being totally honest. I cannot remember a single day in my career when I regretted my choice of being a surgeon, when I regretted my choice of being a medical missionary and serving at Temec, and regretting my choice of coming home with Pam and my kids to serve here at CMDA um, because of this concept of delighting myself in my Lord and Savior. Protect what matters most. This is going to be my parting, my parting caution to you. Um, Under Armour, they say protect what matters most. And I'm just thinking about sweaty skin and a sweaty body with their clothing. And um, Solomon tells us, Solomon tells us it's not uh, sweaty skin and our muscles and our body that matters most. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. I'm going to leave you with this prayer from Scripture, 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 11 and 12. Friends, um, I, I just pray. I keep asking our God to enable you a surgical resident, whatever other specialty resident you might be, a med student who's wondering, how can I possibly carry on um, with this call through the difficult years ahead? 
that God will enable you to live a life worthy of his call. May he give you the power to accomplish every good deed your faith prompts you to do. Then the name of our Lord Jesus, your Savior, the great physician, will be honored because of the way you live, and you will be honored along with him. This is all made possible. It's only made possible, friends, because of the grace of our God and Lord Jesus Christ. I want to thank you for attending. I'll be happy to be answering questions uh, during the live session in which this breakout session is attended. My email is mike.chup at cmda.org. If you have questions and when we chat during this session, I will be uh, happy to answer questions and, uh, and I'll work on providing uh, some more resources if I can by the time of GMHC. God bless. Um, and I hope you have a great conference this year, GMHC.